Welcome to a special Christmas, a flow of words on Scarif Bay Community Radio with Manshannon Arts. The wise men brought gold, myrrh and frankincense to the newborn Jesus. These were significant presents by any standards. A gold coin or two, or even a purseful, would have been a very valuable nest egg for the child. Myrrh would have been used as a perfume and also for healing while frankincense had the reputation to cleanse buildings of bad energy. But it seems that the simple life of Mary, Joseph and Jesus was unaffected by these rich donations. After the giving, did we ever hear of these gifts again? It begs the question, what do presents add to our lives? Of course, it's a sign that we are valued, appreciated, included in a close circle. It is the thought that counts. And it's a bonus if the giver actually enjoys the process of choosing, wrapping and presenting. For many more, I suspect it's an annual chore. And the older I get, the more I question its wisdom. So many of us have enough things. We spend hours tidying up, sorting out, bringing to the charity shops. Do we really want more? I would love it to be acceptable to recycle beloved things. If I pass on to my sister a scarf or necklace I have treasured for years, or a book I have really enjoyed, shouldn't that be seen as a genuine act of giving? Or the homemade present, the jar of blackberry jam, the carefully filled plant pots, the marzipan balls covered in chocolate. I love presents which give immediate but temporary pleasure, disappearing after they have been enjoyed. As a new wife, however, I took the whole present-giving activity very seriously. My own family was easy-going enough. Siblings were quickly dropped off the list once we left home, and buying gifts for two grateful parents was no hardship. But my husband's clan, each December, I would buy over 20 presents for young and old. And of course we did enjoy the jolly exchanges at the Christmas gathering. One year, I was due to give birth on Christmas Eve, but all the presents were bought and neatly arranged in family bundles well in advance. However, I drew the line at buying a gift for my mother-in-law. Gadgets for kitchen or garden were certainly acceptable, but what she really wanted was something more personal, chosen with care by her son. And I felt that buying one gift a year was hardly the most demanding task he could be asked to do. So each Christmas Eve he would, with some reluctance, head off to the shops to buy two gifts, one for me, one for her. I would usually end up with a lovely piece of jewellery, and that was grand. But I do remember one particular year. He arrived back beaming and announced that he had bought two jumpers. He displayed them both with some pride. I listened with more than a touch of warm regard as he began to say, Which one do you... But this quickly turned to inner rage as he went on to say, Do you think my mother would like? I was incredulous. I was to pick the nicest one for his mother, and he would then present me with the leftover. He looked a little taken aback at the expression on my face. What's wrong? he asked. Nothing at all, I answered, smiling sweetly. I took time examining the two jumpers. The first, a rather plain, old-fashioned cream affair. The second, a more engaging blue one. 
After careful consideration, I eventually seized the cream one and said she'd love this one. Good choice. Great, said himself. That's sorted. Now, do I need to wrap the other one for you? Christmas After Bloody Sunday, Belfast, 1973. The soldiers stiffly sprawl, guns clutched and cocked, desperately dutiful in death, camouflage outstanding on the blood-red rug. Two trucks are overturned beside their bodies. Intact, these warriors lie. No one is burned, no helmets fly, no flak jackets flutter in the breeze, no limbs decorate the non-existent trees. No passers-by to run away or stand to gaze and mutter. By accident, ambush or some Belfast nutter, death has come to these war-toy warriors. With seeming ease and little clutter, no smell but dinner cooking, no smoke or flame, no rattle, crash or boom, no sound this day but television humming from the corner of the room. A child has stopped his soldier play to watch the news at ten. A big explosion maims a child in Ballyclare. An unemployed father of three shot dead while dozing in his chair. Outside a pub, a pregnant woman is badly beaten by men with balaclavas and baseball bats after some sad sectarian love affair. They're making terror better than ever in Belfast this Christmas. Even toy shops, for a little cash, sell complete sets of plastic onlookers to make the scene authentic. Some homely shepherds with their homely sheep, an old man with his donkey, three rich men riding from afar on Bactrian camels, following a bright and distant star. Some farmyard animals, a mother breastfeeding a baby, in a stable. The boy resumes his game. He resurrects the plastic troops and trucks, holding his future as I, unknowing with my war toys, held it in the past. Now, with my new peace toys, a purpose, a page and a pen, I also knowingly hold the future, just as I unknowingly did then. Side by side, we both stiffly stand, watching the dismal telly news and waiting for a new and authentic, peaceful command. Believe. Conversation between a nana and her grandchild. Is there really a Santa? Of course there is. But Billy said no. It's all a big swizz. If you don't believe, well, how would you know? But I love the presents. Well, there you go. But where does he get them? In Santa land. Does he come on a sleigh? Does he know where to land? Well, he's sat-nav, of course, 
and postcodes too. And the letters you write. I know what to do. I'll ask for a bike and I'll cycle to Billy's. And what will you do? I'll tell him he's silly. Do you think he'll believe you? I'll show him my letter. Maybe he too got presents, but mine will be better. Do you think there's a Santa? Of course I do. But how do you know that? Sure, I always knew. Christmas snow, Christmas night. Fat feathers drift from overhead. Up above, angels sit. Christmas geese laid on their laps. Amid their cheer and chat, they cast the pluckings down on a slumbering earthly town. Christmas morning, a little girl awakes from sleep. Through a curtain chink, she sneaks a peek, blinks in wonder before joyful shrieks. Oh, mommy, daddy, come quickly, see! A winter white eiderdown covers trees and ground. Thank you, angels, for gifting Christmas snow. Joy to the world and peace surround. There is nothing like a Christmas morning. Christmas, Christmas morning. There is nothing like a Christmas Winter Break, 1969 When the bus finally reaches the village, I see him waiting. He has parked the old Morris Minor under the single street lamp so that he can read the leader. He wears his cloth cap and the sweet afton is glowing between his fingers. We shake hands. He puts my suitcase on the back seat as the car boot is filled with bags of calf nuts meal for hens, and an assortment of Christmas packages. We talk of school and family as we negotiate the undulating bog road. A full moon illuminates the way, and the verges are white and brittle with frost. We agreed that it might snow. At home, the family is waiting. My brothers and sisters have grown since I last saw them in early September. The noise is shocking. My mother, in her flowery housecoat, has dinner nearly ready. She has a chicken roasting, one that she raised herself. There are mashed root vegetables, sweet and buttery, and potatoes bursting out of their skins. For dessert, creamy rice pudding topped with a spoonful of summer jam, just as I remembered. Later, as I lie in bed, I listen to the house settling around me. I hear the cadence of conversation from my parents' bedroom. I hear the wild fowl calling in the watery wilderness and occasionally the lonesome cry of a fox. Beside me, my little sister sighs in her sleep. She is dreaming of the delights that Santa is at that moment preparing for her at the North Pole. I move closer to her warmth. Stars in the Sky by Maria Gold 
My Christmas poem, Stars in the Sky, is inspired by my great love for the Irish poem, Ihanolog, by Maura Vakati. It is a poem I know since childhood. In it, she celebrates the Irish tradition of placing a candle in the window on Christmas Eve to give welcome and light to Mary and Joseph on the road. Her poem begins, Le Quinlan an angle thon spare and with praca, with candlelight of angels, the sky outside is starred. In my poem, Stars in the Sky, the stars sing with that love and light and welcome. Love that sings through the generations just as it did on the first Christmas Eve. Stars in the Sky Hear the angels sing in the sky. Hear the song of the stars that shine. Feel my heart sing with love to yours far from mine. Through eons of mile and sky, stretching through days and night, love Sings far and wide, and heart burns ever with light. For mystery of Christ is born on every Christmas Eve, and all love that ever sung sings again tonight. Receive. You have been listening to Celia Donoghue, Christmas Presents, Arthur Watson, Christmas After a Bloody Sunday, Imelda Reynolds, Believe, Roisin Bugler, Christmas Snow, Elise Ryan, Winter Break, Maria Gold, Stars in the Sky. The music you have heard was Mountain Man, Simple Gifts, Paul McCartney, Pipes of Peace, Brian Kennedy, Christmas Morning, and Emma Langford, The Wexford Carl. Happy Christmas to all our listeners and contributors and tune in next time to A Flow of Words.